This is Inside the Writer's Head with Kurt Dynan. He is the Library Foundation of Cincinnati and Hamilton County's 2016-2017 Writer-in-Residence. The Library Foundation's Writer-in-Residence program promotes writing, literacy, and creativity in our community, all while furthering the library's mission of connecting people with the world of ideas and information. Our podcast starts now. Hi, I'm Kirk Dynan, author of Don't Get Caught and the Cincinnati Public Library's 2016-2017 Writer-in-Residence. Over the course of the next year, I'll be doing interviews with writers on this very podcast, as well as keeping a blog on writing and, starting in February, teaching workshops on fiction writing, uh, starting with Novel Writing 101 and Brainstorming. So you can uh, check the library's website for information on that. But today, uh, I thought it would be fun to do an exit interview with last year's writer-in-resident, Jeff Hillard. Jeff did a lot of workshops over the year. He, he started this podcast that I'm going to maintain and keep alive for him. Um, he's a, an associate professor of English at Mount St. Joe's. He's the author of four poetry collections, but uh, very excited. Uh, this December is his upcoming young adult novel, his debut novel, right? Right. Um, Shine Out of Bedlam. So uh, welcome, Jeff. This is it, right? Officially, your last responsibility is the writer-in-residence. Yeah. Hey, thanks. Thank, uh, th- Kurt, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Hard to believe uh, passing the torch, but here it goes. Yeah, so... Looking back over over your twelve months, what uh, what's your greatest takeaway from the experience? Yeah, I'm going to have to say that it was it was meeting this wide range of of writers that came, especially to the workshops, the creative writing workshops, and the publishing workshops. I you know I've been in I've been in around writers in this city as a kind of literary advocate for well over thirty years, and I've been so fortunate to meet so many different writers and, and many of them are very close friends of mine and uh, are very near and dear to my heart. I have so many like that. And we've been together in the trenches for, you know, 30 years, uh, this and that, seeing each other's work. But I, you know, I met a lot of new writers also and it it just, you know, it just continues to blow me away how many writers are out there and I don't want to say they're struggling. I don't mean it that way, but they're challenged with what they're doing, with where they want to go with their craft, with how to write in specific ways, questions they have about publishing. It, it just never ceases to amaze me. And, and I was really energized and elated by all of these writers coming to these workshops and programs like this. And I was especially happy with these with the youth that came to some of the workshops during the summer for the teen writing workshops. So what was that like? Like you have a room of 20, 30 kids? No, it was it was capped um, far more tighter than that. We had, I think, 15. Okay. In both sessions, we had a session in July and a session in August. And they were the they were they were great. I mean, these students were so they 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 gave me such energy uh, you know i'm around them all i'm around 18 19 20 21 year olds day by day at the mount um so i'm around millennials but this was an i have i i visited some high schools during my residency but here i had them for 3 hours 
each, you know, each session. And I was able to see 14, 15, 16-year-olds work, 17-year-olds work even more uh, at that level, which really was cool. What What's the difference you saw in those writers and, like, older adults writing or even, like, the college-level kids? Did you see a difference with those with the teenagers? Yeah, the teenage the teenagers um, that I had were far more into let's say the super superhero right. edge. Uh, a lot a lot of them sort of revolved around what they had on their phone in terms of music, also, and what they had in terms of stuff that they could stream, and superheroes were very big into them in in a way. But then again too I had some some students, some some teens in these workshops that were in, incredibly advanced and superheroes wasn't a part of their sensibility. They they seemed to have read widely. They had they had just this natural talent. Now my students at the mount, I tend to teach when I teach a creative writing workshops there they tend to be juniors and seniors, maybe a couple of sophomores, and they're more into st- basically pushing their story further. You know, um, making it making it more depthful, more you know, what is struck, what kind of structure do I need? Uh, they're they're more receptive to more challenging brainstorming, more challenging different things to do more challenging craft i don't think i could get into it with the real young ones yeah i would think with the young ones it would be it has to be on a different level it has to be on a a more playful even a more playful level than ever yeah let them get in the sandbox let them get in the sandbox do whatever right get it it was a blast we had a blast though yeah I, I'm, and I'm looking forward to doing that because I know they've got me set up doing that. And, and I, I mean, I work with, with teenagers. Um, you know, I'm a high school English teacher. But it's just, it's that moment when, especially when you're working with teen writers, where you find a kid who's so good at it at such a young age. Yeah. And I've got a cool story about visiting Dulles Elementary School in Oak Hills. I was working with a third. I was working with um, second, third, and fourth grade classes, and this was about nine months ago. And you'll love this story. We had a third grade class, and we were doing some short story prompts, little vignette stories. Mm-hmm. You know, I had some things for him that prompted him, and I had a kid raise his hand, and you know, he said, "Mr. Hillard." Um, you know, but first, before he raised his head, I kept hearing the word Donald Trump <laughs> being batted around with these third graders, and they were laughing. And I, I thought it was hilarious, you know, and, and they, they'd say, I'm going to put Donald Trump in this story. And a student raised his hand, and he said, Mr. Hillard, am I allowed to put Donald Trump in this little story? And I said, well, sure, go ahead. I said, is somebody going to put Hillary Clinton in a story? And one girl said, eh, I don't know, maybe. And then another kid raised his hand, I, I know what I can do with my Donald Trump. And these, so these, these are third graders. <laughs> and they had these ideas about these little stories they were writing where they were going to put Donald Trump 
in the story. And I said, wait, hold up, guys. I just got to ask you this question because you're blowing me away. What? You're t- you know, you haven't brought up Bernie. You haven't right. brought up Hillary. You know, what? what is it about Trump? And the third grader said, one of the third graders said, well, you know, have you seen him? Just look at him. You know, just he's, you know, he's Donald Trump, Mr. Hillard. He's perfect <laughs> for a story. He's perfect for and, a story. And uh, I had about 20 kids in this in this session in the third grade, and about 15 of them, you know, we we read we read them read them aloud. Uh huh. And about 15 of them had Donald Trump doing this or doing that. Right. Or a kid would get out of the bus and all of a sudden he turned around and a guy, a guy said, boo, and it was Donald Trump. And that's the story. <laughs> they, what was interesting <laughs> about that to me was that they saw him just as, as an object. A they had a caricature. You know, like, a, like we, like you and I see our fictional characters, sort of, they saw this idealized object or this thing, Donald Trump, the hair or whatever. As something to put in a story. That was something that I'll just never forget. It's a ready-made, it was a, a ready-made, ready-made character. I thought you'd like that story. <laughs> so how did you grow as a writer? Like, what did, what did you learn as a writer doing these workshops and doing these, these interviews and, and whatnot over the last year? Yeah, in terms of my own growth as a writer, it's hard to say. Um, but I think one takeaway I had, the biggest takeaway I had was how precious time is. And I'm not a writer that can spend four or five hours straight writing. I have to get up and do stuff and then come back and sit and then quit. Right. But I try to do it really consistently. You know, I try to write a little bit, you know, four or five days a week. But the big thing here was time, and I'm very fortunate that the library honored me with that first re- with that residency, um, with this, you know, and 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 had me do so many things, and and I feel I did so many warranted and beautiful things for this library. And going through it, though, um, I was thinking how valuable time is also as a writer, and. Um, and I came away thinking, too, that I met some writers who um, are writing a great deal, and they have jobs, too. And it just energized me more at this stage of my life to even um, even put the, put the pedal down to the metal more. Right. Seeing your friends succeed. So it was, right? yeah. Seeing your yeah, friends put seeing, out something else and something them else. Seeing put out, um, knowing, knowing how precious um, the work really is. But we're all battling time. I think. I think we can. We. I think we can get into the talent question, or whether or not we have an idea. And I think so many people do have ideas. It's fleshing it out, and fleshing it out means you've got to sit and do it. And I don't think I've ever been as more um, aware of time as I am right now. Right. Well, writers for the most part, are great at finding reasons not to Absolutely. write. Right. right. I mean, I even have the well, yeah. freedom app on my on my computer, which will shut off the Internet. Because, yeah. man, I can decide that it's really important to know what the box score is of the basketball game last Absolutely. night. Absolutely. And my fa- one of my favorite quotes of all time, P- 
period of all time comes from the novelist Harry Cruz, the late Harry Cruz. And I, this is the first quote I give my students, and uh-huh. I, I hand it to them on paper. And Harry Cruz says, the world doesn't want you to write. <laughs> the world doesn't want you to, the world wants you to go wash your car, go put on some music, go walk the dog, go cut the lawn. What you need is 50,000 words. Right. No, that's great. Yeah, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but that's what Harry said, and that that's basically on my wall. Well, and you've gotten to the point now, and, and that segues nicely into uh, talking about your your new novel, um, Shine Out of Bedlam. So let's let's start with this first. Why don't you tell everybody uh, what Shine Out of Bedlam is? Yeah, <clears throat> Bedlam is a fictional industrial town. Um, in, in in and around the region of southern Ohio, and it the the book is kind of loosely wrapped around a mystery. Uh, there's a warehouse that burns, and it's a major fire in this little suburban town. Who did it? Um, Shine has some inkling as the novel goes about possible possibilities, but he's only 15 years old, and his best friend Shine's a white kid. Um, and his best friend is a black kid named Moondog. They're in the same school. They go to the same school. They just hang out. Kids don't know color. And it, 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 the novel is loosely based around how they navigate through a time in 1968 that is a nexus of the, you know, it comprises the anti-war protests, the anti-Vietnam protests, um, the emergence of the Black Panthers on the West Coast and they're, and, and they're becoming more popular in the Midwest and they become very popular in this area. And in fact, um, one, of the, one of the blossoming stories or sub-stories, subplots in the novel is um, the, the coming speech by one of the Black Panther Party officials you know, two residents in Bedlam. And this stirs the pot quite a bit through a lot of the novel. What's going to happen? So you have in Bedlam actually a segregated, not a a residentially divided community. Okay. It's a residentially divided community, but the black residents and the white residents go to the same school. Uh, so it's a very interesting time in which to kind of explore, you know, fictionally what's going on. Inside of that, you got you got two kids, and you especially got Shine. He's kind of a wild hare, and uh, you know he train hops, he plays basketball, he's sneaking some cigarettes, he has designs for a girl that he's known since first grade, and she's always liked him. And they're 15, and some things are starting to bud. I mean, they they like each other, and they're trying to see what what happens here. Um, And his sister, Shine's sister, is the most beautiful girl in Bedlam High School. And she, um, you know, there's a romance going on with her that's quite interesting. So I play around with a whole lot of different things in this novel, all around 1968. But the thing, the big takeaway is, I hope, if one finishes the book, is that, man, 2016 isn't too far removed from what was going on in 68, except for technology. 
There's no cell phones in this novel, you know. <laughs> right. So you, there's a lot of problems you don't have to deal with, right? Exactly. Like, right. Nowadays you would it's like just call the police or right, whatever. Right. It's what, different. What draws you to that time period? It was fascinating to me because I kind of grew up in an area like that, and I I just thought as an artist, uh, as a novelist, I I wanted to do a YA novel that also had an adult uh, resonance to it. Uh, and and I wanted to take I wanted to take that time because it was a hotbed of things happening. You know, there was an explosion of industry in this area. There was also the explosion of violence, and uh, there there were also there was also some suspicious police activity, and uh, you had drugs coming in. You had um, you had uh, 1968 was a political hotbed year. A whole year, you had the murder of Martin Luther King Jr. and